0: And if you love college football, you live for days like this. Week 11, Saturday, tailgate. Nick and Marquise with you. Coming up in just about 12 minutes, we will give you an in-depth perspective on both Alabama LSU – Ryan Fowler from Tide, is it 102.9 or 100.9? 100.9. 100.9. He will join us for five minutes to give us the Bama perspective. And then Billy Embody, who covers the Tigers of LSU for 24-7 sports, he'll join us for five minutes and we'll give you the LSU perspective. So we've got both sides of this game covered. We're fair and balanced. We're not CNN. We're not Fox News. We're not going to shade the coverage one way or the other. Nick Saban might be shading coverage tonight to one side or the other to try to throw off Joe Burrow. But that's neither here nor there. Let's play another game of in or out, Marquise. Here we go. I've got six statements for you. I'm going to see if you're in or out on the following. Number one, in or out? The college football playoff committee got it right Tuesday night with their initial rankings.
1: Uh, I will go out because I believe LSU should have been number one. I think Ohio State should have been two, just based off of the schedule. And I know they're going to, you know, they're going to drop down. You know the Texas win for LSU because you know Texas hasn't been the team that we thought they would be. But just looking at resume perspective, and you know you can't you can't say the eye test because the eye test shows that LSU is just as good as Ohio State. I, I think Ohio State just may have a slight edge on defense, and then also the four and five spot. I knew that they were going to put Penn State at that four slot, but it should have it should have been Clemson. But I just knew they were going to put Penn State in that four spot. So. I disagree with the placement of of certain teams, but you know so that's why I'll probably go out. And their initial ranking but like I said, it you know, one you know, two's gotta play three and then one's gotta eventually play four currently. So it, it initially all that's gonna be shaken up anyway, but I'll go out that their initial rankings probably should have been L S U, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, but you know, Yeah, I don't. It it can go either way. It it doesn't really matter with the first rankings as long as you know Clemson does get in.
0: Okay, this is not so much an in or out question, but a ranking. How would you rank the four one-loss teams currently: Georgia, Oklahoma,
1: Oregon, Utah? I will go. I will go Georgia at one. I still, I still believe that Georgia is is the best one-loss team in in the country. I will go. Oregon 2, I'll go Oklahoma 3, Utah 4. Okay, I would slightly disagree. I'll go with
0: you on Georgia at 1. I would put Oklahoma 2, Oregon 3, Utah 4. The difference being, uh, give me Lincoln Riley and Jalen Hurts over Justin Herbert and Mario Cristobal.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I look at it as, you know, Oregon has one of the best offensive lines in the country. They they have a, a okay defense, maybe not the defense you know that they had years past when they were actually going to national championships, but they have a pretty good defense this year. And I would take, I would take Justin Herbert. I'm not going to say I would take Justin Herbert over Jalen. I think Jalen's the more talented quarterback. But you know, I would take Oregon's defense over Oklahoma's defense. That's fair. I, I would trust their defense over. Over them, so I, that's why I gave Oklahoma or Oregon the edge. Not saying that Oklahoma is just bad, and then looking at Oregon, the rest of Oregon's schedule, I think they have the better advantage over Oklahoma. So that's why I put them at two. And, and Utah is just—they're just Utah.
0: Okay. Second, uh, third question: In or out? Florida State should go all in on Bob Stoops and do whatever it takes. I'm going to say they should go all in, but they can't go all in due to the current state of the program and the amount of money they are paying Willie Taggart to go away, I think Stoops will be a home run. I just don't think they get it done.
1: Yeah, I I, want to go – yeah, I'll agree with you on that because I think there's two coaches that you're going to have to tell me no. Bob Stoops and Urban Meyer. I'm not going to stop asking you until you just tell me I'm not interested. And and and, and who else is out there? I mean, what are you going to get, Deion Sanders? Let's – Let's hope you think think
0: about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Has Florida State become a program where we are going to let you learn on the job? Has Florida State become a job where we're going to experiment? Think about that. That's what hiring Deion Sanders would tell you about their program.
1: what, What it tells me is they're going to be doing the same thing they did with Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart wasn't the best coach in the world. But he was a good recruiter because he knows that area. Basically, you hiring Deion Sanders is basically like you hiring Willie Taggart again, but except with the exception of no coaching experience.
0: Like, you know, recruiting is great and that's half the battle, but then you got to coach up these players and develop them and, and have them perform. It's like being a, you know, an elite chef or, or, or being somebody that says, you know what? I can go to the grocery store. I can pick out all the great ingredients, but then when I throw them on the grill, I screw it up
1: yeah exactly and it's like and that's why like, yeah, you can get a guy like you know Matt Campbell from Iowa State, and he will be a good coach for that program, but is he going to be able to recruit the state of Florida, and that will be his biggest challenge It's hard to find a balance with coaches when you because you want both aspects you want to be able to have a good coach on with the x's and O's and being able to break things down and you know being able to hire a staff that is you know be be able to help him out with that. But you also want to hire a guy that's really good at recruiting as well. So you you want to coach with both aspects. Willie Taggart didn't have that, Mm -hmm. and so by hiring a guy like Deion Sanders, you'll be getting the same boat with a guy like Bob Stoops. You get that. I even I think you get that with Bob Stoops, and and that's why I think that look, he's going to have to tell us no. If I were if I was Florida State, I'll be telling them, look, you see what happened to the AAF. To where all of a sudden they're playing a season, and all of a sudden they just get canned in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. The XFL can have the same effect, and you don't want that. You want job security, right? You get job security right here at Florida State. This is where you get it at. I, if you if you're not in, obviously you're interested in coaching because you're doing the XFL. So you can't tell me that you're not interested in coaching anymore. And, and I know this is a progress. I know we have the talent here. Cam Akers is, is a four- or five-star running back. He's probably one of the top ten running backs in the country. But he just doesn't get any notice because Florida State sucks. So if I were them, I was like, you want to get into coaching? This is Look, we need a – the ACC needs a guy that can be able to compete with a guy like Dabo, that can out-coach Dabo. There's only one guy I think that can out-coach Dabo – and that's Mack Brown. Now, he's not a better coach than Dabo, but he can out-coach him because he's been in the, in the league for a long time. I and mean, we saw with the NC you know, um, Clemson game. So, look, I'll go all-in if I was Florida State. Get a guy like Bob Stoops. It'll help you in recruiting. It'll help on it as far as coaching these players up. Go all-in, man. If you're USC, go all-in on Urban Meyer. If you're Florida State, go all-in on Bob Stoops.
0: Final one for in or out after, quote, turning down Rutgers, Butch Jones will find a Power 5 job in 2020 as a head coach. Do you think Butch will be coaching a Power 5 team next year?
1: If you can't get the Rutgers, I'll go out.
0: Like, by the way, I don't think he turned down Rutgers. I don't think he was ever really considered so you put out the good pr <laughs> image of i'm gonna you know i'm gonna withdraw my name from consideration even though they're probably not gonna yeah me.
1: well just like i said on twitter i'm gonna take my name out of dating demi lovato because quite frankly i'm just i respect my decision yeah. uh, i will no longer be in consideration for dating demi yeah. lovato uh, yeah but you even know though what? i well, wasn't considered for it to begin with
0: right i, I mean but, i they, they could have given me the college football the college game day job they went with reese davis only because i withdrew my name from consideration
1: absolutely so right. I'm, I'm out i'm out, Damon Lovato. I'm sorry, I'm out of consideration. I'm not 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 interested in that job. But, so I'll go out, man. I, I just I don't think I think he'll do the Hugh Freeze route where he gets like a, a smaller program, like a Liberty type coaching job, and then work his way up back into a head coach in the Power mm-hmm. Five team. So uh, that, that's what I think he does. So I'll I'll go. I'll go out on that. I, I just, I love Butch. He's, he's a funny guy. You know, I like laughing at him about washing Nick Saban's cars, which I don't know what he does as an offensive analyst. I think that's what an offensive analyst does just wash Nick Saban's car. I don't know what he does. At Alabama but you, you know I'll go out you know I think he goes smaller program first and then work his way back up to a power five
0: okay Ryan Fowler covers Alabama Billy Embody covers LSU they will both join us coming up next we'll get the Bama and the Tiger perspective in the same segment here on Saturday tailgate welcome back into Saturday tailgate here on ESPN 1025 the game Nick and Marquise with you leading you right up until the kickoff of the 11 o'clock games today Let's get a little double dip here. A little Alabama, a little LSU in the same segment. Billy Embody from 24-7 Sports covers the Tigers. He'll join us in about five minutes to give us the LSU perspective. But right now, Ryan Fowler from Tide 100.9 is with us. Ryan, good to have you back in. How you doing this morning?
2: Hey, very good to be on with you guys. And uh, we're actually just rolling up to the stadium right now, so you guys might hear a little noise in the background. But uh, uh, it, I'll say this, at 10... 14 and uh, we just are coming through campus and we're still you know quite a ways away from kickoff and traffic is absolutely crazy uh been around a long time I don't know if I've ever seen uh what we're going to see today in Tuscaloosa
0: so assuming Tua does play and I think everybody's expecting him to play but not at 100 percent, does the game plan change offensively or will we see the typical Alabama playbook uh from the health of Tua do they alter anything or is it status quo
2: yeah I mean I think they'll they'll try to get uh, the football out of his hands pretty quickly I think that'll be the design going into it I think they'll try to find a way to you know maybe open up a little bit of this uh you know rushing attack that they've kind of saved and I think they'll go a little power football but I don't think they're going to go away from what they do best Uh, I think you look at Tua Tungvalu you're going to have to use you know his skill set to be able to uh, go up against an explosive offense because, I mean, I think you're kind of going into it now. You think you know what you can do, but you don't know what you can do. So uh, who knows what style of game this is going to be. So I think it'll be one of those that, you know, it, it'll probably be a little bit of early trying to determine, hey, what what are they trying to do? What are they, How are they going to try to play us? And, uh, you know, those first few plays will be scripted. It'll be a lot of fun to watch and uh, see this chess match back and forth.
1: Yeah, and when you talk about explosive offenses, obviously LSU has an explosive offense on that end as well. So, so my biggest question is: How is Pete Golden going to figure out how to contain the wide receivers? How to be able to contain Joe Burrow? Because obviously, you know they spread out all their wide receivers, and then Joe Burrow has the opportunity to either get it to his wide receivers or also run it for a big gain as well. So, and, and that's going to be his biggest challenge, especially with the injuries on defense. So, how do you think Pete Golden is game planning for this de- for this offense?
2: Well, I think he's going to be aggressive. I mean, I think you'll go back to last year, even though Tosh LaPoy sort of wore that hat, the official title Pete Golden called plays last year, and I think you got to go back and understand the blitz packages they'll they'll put you in. Alabama is a team that loves to be able to get physical uh, with the wide receivers. They're going to push those guys around and you know see if they can mark them you know, get them off their track a little bit. And I think that's going to be the style uh, when you begin to kind of look at it and kind of think about Alabama. Uh, I think that's what they're going to do. And uh, I think that's Pete Golding's style. I think it's Nick Saban's style. Uh, I think Terrell Lewis and Freddie Jennings uh, that, that is, is, is going to be huge in this game because you're going to have to find a way to get the quarterback and, you know, make him do it early where you get that mental clock already sped up a little bit and try to find a way to get him off of uh, pattern.
1: Yeah and when I talked about Terrell Lewis having to be one of that that MVP player on defense but there's another you know lineup that does too and that's the secondary with Travion Diggs and then you also you know Patrick Surtain have you seen enough from this secondary to believe that this team could contain you know LSU's wide receivers they don't maybe have to stop them every possession and you know be that shut down corners or wide you know to shut down their wide receivers but will they be able to contain them? Because they're still, you know, a fairly young secondary. I know Diggs has been there for a while. But, it, you know, that's kind of been the Achilles heel for both teams is kind of the secondary.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, it has. But I think Alabama's got a – you know, they're pretty comfortable with, with who they are on the secondary side. I think you've seen some, you know, non-offensive touchdowns be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, I think as they're getting more comfortable with those backers. But but everything – listen, everything goes – in defensive backs, I know early on they took a little bit of – uh, shots with Trayvon and, and Patrick Sertain, and I don't know if those guys were maybe playing up to their ability, but a lot of that was impacted because of the pass rush. I mean, they were just not getting the quarterback. I mean, I looked one time uh first couple of weeks, and they were one of the worst teams in the SEC at getting the quarterback. Now, you now see Terrell Lewis, you know, it started at Texas A&M, he was able to double up uh, his his sack numbers, and so I think that will continue. I think that will be something that, you know, you'll see them get aggressive to help that secondary out. I mean, you put Deion Sanders back there. Uh, and, and, and when you look at, uh, you know, just trying to find a way to, to get pressure on that quarterback, and that'll help your defensive backs out a ton. I think that's what they're going to do. That, I mean, there's no way that you're going to be able to cover these guys. And the same thing with them. I mean, they're going to have to come after Tua Baloa and, uh, you know, try to find a way to get him on the ground and, uh, you know, make him think just a little bit faster.
0: Ryan, we really appreciate the time. Thank you so much.
2: Hey, no doubt, man. Uh, appreciate you guys having me this morning. You guys have an awesome weekend, and we'll see you guys very, very soon. Thank you guys again.
0: You got it. Ryan Fowler from Tide 100.9 with the Bama perspective on today's game. Now we go for the LSU perspective. Billy Mbody covers the Tigers for 24-7 sports, and he is with us here on Saturday. Tailgate on ESPN 102.5, the game. Billy, we appreciate a couple of minutes. How are you doing this morning?
3: Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Good to have you in. So a lot of people are getting caught up in the quarterbacks and the receivers and the points. Let's look at it from also the defensive side of the ball. Alabama LSU, while it might not be 9-6 from 2011, both defenses still really good. How do the Tigers and Dave Aranda go about trying to contain? We we know you're not going to stop Alabama's offense, but how do they keep them to 30 points or less?
3: I think the big thing is turnovers, and it's something that I think LSU as a whole has kind of struggled with to force as many turnovers as they want to this year but the one player that has done a great job especially as of late is Derek stingley jr the five-star all all american type of freshman that they've got at corner opposite of christian fulton he's had interceptions in the last four games as a true freshman and he's been excellent and it depends on how alabama wants to go about it because we've seen florida Go after him and, and have some success. And then on the flip side of it, they also got burned where he kind of bounced back and, and capped that game with an interception. And so, uh, that's kind of the thing I'm interested to see is how does Alabama attack the LSU secondary? Do they use those speedy slots, you know, guys like Jalen Waddell and, and certainly they've got incredible wide receivers all over the board. Do they use those guys to, to kind of, um, you know, put pressure on the uh that the LSU secondary and and uh you know force them into situations where they're matched up one-on-one and, and they like those matchups
1: and sticking to the defensive side of the football obviously losing you know one of your key linebackers is going to be you know a major for this team especially when you know that you have to get pressure on a quarterback like Tua Tagovailoa how has LSU this week prepared for that because obviously it came out of nowhere this week and and all of a sudden they have to game plan without him. And how are they going to be able to get pressure on Tua now?
3: Yeah, Caleb on Chasson is kind of a key here, and he's he's somebody that's going to be matched up with Alex Leatherwood, who's an excellent offensive tackle, of course, going to be a high draft pick. And he's had spurts where he's been successful getting after him and other times where not so much. And, and this is one of those games where he's going to have to come up with some key sacks at key moments, if, if they're going to throw to by Loa off his game, I think another player to watch is another freshman, Marcel Brooks. With Michael Divinity out you know, for the rest of the year with, with LSU, at least you know with that suspension uh, just this week, how do they use him in those third down packages? He's a four-five type of guy. He's about six-two, maybe six, one, 200 pounds, soaking wet, but he's so tenacious off the edge. And when they get into those third down situations. I think the defense that forces whichever offense to make those mistakes is going to be the one that is going to be able to get them off the field at critical times and, and get those key stops.
1: I felt like I feel like this game this game in particular has been kind of a long time in the making and building for coach O where you hire a guy like Dave Aranda to be able to stop the Alabama offense. And then, you know, all of a sudden you didn't get anything from the offensive end on LSU's team last year. So then you bring in a guy like Joe Brady and now he's, you know, bringing that offensive perspective and now, and then now also you have the quarterback that can be able to, can you know, make those plays happen. Finally, if, LSU loses this game does, does it feel like it'll be a wasted opportunity because it feels like they've built this team to be able to compete with a team like Alabama from both coordinator positions and also with the quarterback as well would it feel like a wasted opportunity if LSU would lose this game
3: that, uh, That's that's a quarterback that that's
0: Yep. I think we're gonna lose Billy. Let's put him on hold. Uh Captain Kurt, just tell Billy we appreciate it and uh we'll talk to him again down the line. So that was Billy Embody who covers the LSU Tigers for 24 7 Sports. So Ryan, crystal clear connection. Billy faded late in the interview. Here, here you
1: go. I, said, I, concerns I, concerns I, I think
0: I, I think Alabama pulls away in the fourth quarter based off of our cell phone reception of
1: our guests today. Alabama by a Three to four points. So you did this earlier this week. You sent me a picture of a, I guess it was a zoo magazine with a tiger in front of it. And so you said, you felt like that was an omen of what was Well, for I, to come. I walk
0: in my door and my girls and my wife went to the Nashville Zoo. And then one of the pamphlets and booklets they brought home was a picture of a tiger on it. So I walked in and it was on the floor and I looked down. That was the first thing I saw. That was omen number one for LSU. Last week, trick or treating, take the kids around the cul de sac. What do I see? Garage door open. Garage painted purple and yellow with the Bayou Bengal. Omen number two for LSU. But then this week, the omens started to shift in favor of the Tide. We have ourselves a big ball game coming up, Marquis.
1: Yeah. So now we got two omens for Alabama, and then we have two for LSU. Correct. So so we got until two thirty to find one more to figure out what team. I mean, I, win I, I
0: could be on Bell Road later today when I leave the studio. I could be at a red light. It could simply be an Alabama license plate. It could be an LSU bumper sticker.
1: It could be just an elephant just walking across the
0: street. They say they, they, when it's 2-2, they call it a pivotal game five. We're looking for omen number five. Which way will the bet will the pendulum swing? LSU or Alabama? I don't know.
1: Yeah, if you see a tiger walking across the uh, street, let's uh, let, let's say no. That's a goes omen number three. Call your local authorities if you see that because that does not need to be out there. So yeah, mm-hmm. we're we're looking for
0: omen number three before two thirty. Okay, so we will come back and we'll get into Tennessee and Kentucky, and that'll lead us right into the Saturday selections next on Saturday Tailgate. Coming up later today on 102.5 The Game, LSU and Alabama with pregame coverage starting at 11.30. We'll of course have the game at 2.30 and then the Predators and the Sharks pregame at 8.30 tonight here on 102.5 The Game. We'll get to Tennessee and Kentucky coming up in just a moment. Uh, also, some uh, big news in college football this week is Chase Young suspended for Ohio State. And according to Bruce Feldman, it is looking like a four-game suspension what would be the final four games of the season, which would include the fourth and final game against Michigan. So I'm just going to tell you, here's my take right now on that, that in the event Chase Young does sit out that game and is suspended and Michigan wins, it will not count as a victory for Jim Harbaugh beating Ohio State. Jim Harbaugh, in my eyes, in this objective reporter's opinion, will remain winless against the Buckeyes if the Buckeyes are without their best player.
1: Man, Nick, why do you always have to find loopholes for Jim Harbaugh? Let him get this his one win. He'll still it.
0: lose because they still have Dobbins and they still have Fields. They'll still find a way to lose.
1: So even if Jim Harbaugh beats Ohio State, there's going to be an asterisk under 2019's victory because Nick bleeds. I will personally go in and update <laughs> his
0: Wikipedia page myself.
1: <laughs> With an asterisk on it. Doesn't count. Does not count. Does it's going to say 0-0 zero, zero, asterisk. Does not count.
0: DNC does not count.
1: Chase Young did not play, but no, that's a huge loss for them, man. And and obviously now he's going to be preparing for the NFL draft now because.
0: But he should not play another game for the Buckeyes, not because he should be punished, but because the NCAA is a joke. If I'm him, I'm just getting ready for the draft, just like Bosa.
1: Yeah, but and, and see that, and that's the point that I was going to make. Even though they've lost defensive players before, they lost Bosa last year early on in the season. It's a little harder this time because it's so late in the season. And you lose a guy like Chase Young, but I think they'll still be fine. They have a lot of studs on defense as well. Obviously, that was the biggest one of them all. But yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not going to act like it's not a big deal that they lose them. But I think they'll they'll still be able to find a way to beat a team like Michigan. So yeah, and Penn State for that matter. Penn State's going to be the difficult
0: matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elsewhere in big news in college football with Florida State and reports about Deion Sanders, uh, Clay Travis reporting that he has been told on Conversations in College Football that Deion Sanders has been reaching out to top college coaches in an effort to put together one of the best potential coaching staffs in college football history. The idea would be that Deion Sanders would serve as the CEO of FSU Football and focus on bringing in top recruits while he puts together a coaching staff that would handle more of the day-to-day schematic stuff, both offensively and defensively. Although, according to Clay, Deion Sanders, when asked about the coaching job at FSU, says, quote, it's hard to be a candidate when you haven't even been talked to uh, from anyone at your alma mater. So, conflicting reports.
1: I mean, that's kind of what... Dabo Sweeney is, except Dabo's like a way better coach than Deion Sanders if you put him, you know, neck and neck. But that's what Dabo does. I mean, he's basically built his coaching staff around two guys, Tony Elliott and Brent Venables, who's been there. I think Tony Elliott's been there since like 2012. So he's been there for a long time. And and Brent Venables, I think, since 2014-15. So And he's been able to keep these guys. These guys get coaching offers every single year. Tony Elliott and Brent Venables gets coaching hires everywhere, but they still, you know, stay. And I think that's why Dabo's been able to build that program because he's a good recruiter, you, you know. And but obviously he has some co- a lot of coaching experience, you know, coaching, you know, you know, coaching under, you know, and under Clemson, you know, and that, uh, also under Alabama as well. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, I think uh, I just I'm not a, I'm not. A, uh, I think they should just go go get a coach. Do the same thing with a guy that's a little bit more proven. Go, like, if you want to do that, go do it with a guy like Matt Campbell, who's won eight games at Iowa State. You know what I'm saying? Like, go do it somewhere else, like go with someone else. Like, go all in on Bob Stoops. If you don't get Bob Stoops – Then your second option, if your second option is Deion Sanders, then... You're in trouble. (laughs) You're in trouble. If that's that's your second option, then you're in trouble.
0: Okay, a couple of games locally let's talk about. Let's get to Tennessee and Kentucky. Tennessee, on a little bit of a roll, they've won three of their last four games, the lone loss being Alabama. They've defeated South Carolina. They have defeated Mississippi State. They defeated UAB. And you look at Tennessee now, seven wins within reach. Ball eligibility within reach. All of a sudden, Like, here we are on November the 9th, and I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking about Tennessee on on Saturdays with college football. I'm thinking about Tennessee on Sundays with the NFL, and I feel more confident in Jeremy Pruitt that he is turning a corner in year two much more significantly than Mike Vrabel is on the pro ranks. All of a sudden, Jeremy Pruitt looks like he's got a competent football team.
1: Yeah, it does. And this is why I always tell people when everybody was yelling and screaming after the Georgia State game, oh, he should be fired. Well, let's go get Greg Shiano, whatever. Like, And this is why I say, yo, it's, it's one game. I understand that is the worst loss in Tennessee football history. It is going to be a loss that is going to be a black ink mark on the paper resume of Jeremy Pruitt, and I understand that completely. But guess what? You have to play a full season. If Jeremy Pruitt would have had the mentality that every fan base and every fan of the Tennessee Vols had after he lost that Georgia State game, we could be looking at a Tennessee team that is still lost mentally, that probably wouldn't be winning four games this year and wouldn't have been able to compete with a team like Alabama, you know, down the wire, a little bit down the wire, and Georgia in the first half. If he would have walked in with that same mentality that the fan base had, that this season is just thrown away. The season's over already after we lost to Georgia State. Now, if they don't make a bowl game and they win five games, they're going to look back at that game like, oh, we probably should have won that one. But And this, this is why, look, when you got a coach going into a second year, you can see the differences between – and I, I know a lot of people were mad about the Willie Taggart thing because they felt like Florida State didn't give them long enough. But you can see when a guy just doesn't have it. And – Willie Taggart didn't have it. He has five stars on his team, four stars on his team that are really good. Jeremy Pruitt didn't walk in with with four or five star guys, and he he's been able to build un, you know build within that. So I, that's why I always say give coaches time to figure things out. He was a first year coach last year. And now he's he's in his second year, and he's two games away from a bowl game. So this is why I say give coaches time mm-hmm. to, to be able to develop and figure things out. Now, if he would have still been performing like he performed against Georgia State throughout the season, then you can point the finger and be like, yeah, you're not the guy, just like they did Willie Taggart. But he, he has. He's, he's, he's progressed every single week. After they lost to Georgia State, they performed well against BYU. The problem was the fourth quarter. And, you know, then he obviously he got a win, and then, you know, they played good in the first half against Georgia, and they played against good against Alabama. They had a little, little lapse there against Florida, but he's played well, so just give him some chances, man, like. Leave him alone. Leave, leave good old Jeremy fruit alone. All K- right? <laughs> Kentucky also
0: coming off of a big win against Missouri back on October the 26th. They're coming off of a bye, and that was a win that Mark Stoops desperately needed because if you look at Kentucky in the conference this year, going back to September the 14th, they lost to Florida. They lost to Mississippi State. They lost to South Carolina. They lost to Georgia. Their only conference win up until two weeks ago against Missouri was against helpless and hopeless <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) arkansas and it was a close one a 24 20 game so stoops needed it he got it and today payback situation here's the thing with kentucky like a lot of people thought that kentucky was really turning a corner and might be becoming like a an 8 9 10 win type of win team per year and they're like well it's not just benny snell it's not just josh allen like i said it was going to be very difficult to replicate what they did last year. They're 4-4. and If they want to even come close down the stretch, they got to get revenge today at Kroger Field.
1: Yeah, they do. And look, I look at this team, and and mind you, I think a lot of it was just Terry Wilson's injury. And that obviously played a huge factor because once you lost Benny Snell, who was your second best option on offense? And that was Terry Wilson, and he's no longer there. So obviously they, they had to play with a lot you know, a lot of adversity this year with injuries, you know, with with Sory Smith and they're having a wide receiver play quarterback right now. And, and obviously, and and they played good against Georgia. You know, they had, it was a 21-0, you know, victory, but I mean, the way their defense played, they played like a, you know, a top defense in that day at least. And then you beat a team like Missouri because they basically, Missouri just took the foot off the gas, you know, once they, you know, lost to Vandy. So you know, I I thought this Kentucky team was going to be pretty good this year. I thought Terry Wilson would make an improvement this year, but obviously I can't see that now because he's hurt. So, you know, it's, I think this is a game that is it's more of a must-win for Tennessee than I think it is Kentucky, just considering the basis on, you know, there's so much heat surrounding Jeremy Pruitt and his job security or, or you know, whatever it is. But – it's going, to be a, it's going to be a tough win for Tennessee to get that on the road. But also, Mar- Mark Stoops, his name is also coming up in these Florida State jobs as well. So uh, how much of that is, is on the psyche of not only his players, but himself as well? So
0: you, you mentioned Mark Stoops and you mentioned Florida State. How funny would it be, like, if you're Florida State and you're the athletic director, you're the chancellor, you're the president, and you get on the, the conference phone in the conference room and you put it on speaker, you call Bob. <laughs> Bob says, "No, nah, I'm good. I don't want the job." And then you wrap up the call and you go, "All right, we're going to give your brother Mark a call, just a heads up." You hang up, you call Mark, and Mark says, yeah I'll take it." Yeah. And then you let Bob know, or you let Mark know, "Hey, Bob or Mark, just so you know, Bob was the first choice." Yeah, you know, he, <laughs> he's you know he's the senior stoops. He's <laughs> I mean, the more successful stoops.
1: I mean, I mean, I, I, he is though. Yeah. Like
0: so, but it would be really funny if they just. What yeah. if they went as a combo package?
1: I thought about that too Deion
0: Sanders as the CEO of the Seminoles coached by Bob Stoops with associate coach Mark Stoops
1: I'm not going to lie, I did think about that like both the Stoops brothers going to Florida State would be great for college football could you imagine the stoops brothers versus Dabo? like Like, that'd be good as just a fan of college football
0: like i want florida state like i don't think college football needs florida state to be relevant but it's much better when the state of florida is like it was 20 years ago in the 90s when spurrier was in the swamp bowden was in tallahassee miami was coming off of national championships like the state of florida right now other than dan mullen Is kind of in in flux.
1: Yeah, and you got Manny Diaz at at Miami, so uh, I don't know if that's the home run hire that they thought they would have. And you know, it's a little too early to tell with him being there for one year. But look, and and this goes for ACC perspectives as well. You want to see good coaches in conferences. I think that's why a lot of people love and gravitate towards the SEC because there's so many different coaches and so many different styles and so many different personalities. And that's what makes the SEC so great, that we have coaches like Nick Saban, we have Coach O, you got Jimbo, you got Dan Mullen, you got a, a weird guy like Gus, but guess what, he can coach. And, and that's what makes the SEC so unique. You don't see that in any other conference. I uh, Maybe the Big Ten – with with but they have young up and coming coaches like a James Franklin who James Franklin's obviously proven Ryan Day and then you, you got your your Jim Harbaughs or whatever but you don't have that in any other conference where you have So many big personalities in one conference, and the ACC lacks that Mm -hmm. so much because it's Dabo, and then it's the rest of y'all. Yep, (laughs) and that's pretty much what it is. It's Dabo Sweeney and whoever the hell else want to come to media days. And and now they got Mac Brown, so they're building on that at UNC. You know, David Cutcliffe, and you know, I want to see Florida State get back to that of having a home run guy, but I don't think Deion Sanders is is the answer at that. You know, so especially after his comments after Willie Taggart got fired that I don't even know why he would even be consideration for that based off the comments that he made about the Willie Haggarts firing in the first place. So Mm -hmm. it's just I want to see more, you know, personalities in that conference outside of Dabo. But Deion Sanders may not be the way to go. You're not definitely not getting personality out of Mark Stoops. And, you know, if, but if the Stoops brothers go there, that would be just the Stoops brothers versus who like Dabo would be interesting TV.
0: Coming up next, it is time for our Saturday selections. We will make our picks in eight games against the spread here on ESPN. One and two, five a game. Back in here, 10.46 on a Saturday tailgate, week 11 of the show. ESPN 1025 The Game, Nick and Marquise with you. Coming up top of the hour, or excuse me, actually at 11.30, pregame coverage for Alabama LSU here on 1025 The Game. And then, of course, the game at 2.30. And then this evening, the Predators out in the Bay Area as they skate with the San Jose Sharks pregame at 8.30. Also on 94.9 Game 2 today, coming up at 2.30, Of pregame coverage of some hoops, MTSU and Lipscomb, followed by Tennessee and Kentucky in football. Right now, Captain Nick Kurt, let's get to our Saturday selections.
3: On kickoff around the nation. Time to make this week's picks against the spread. Let's go! No, go, we got to do it! These are
0: our Saturday selections. All right, Hollywood, time to make some picks against the spread. We have eight games on the menu today. We begin in the Big Ten, a pair of undefeated teams as Penn State is a six and a half point road favorite at Minnesota. I will go first, and I am going to jump on the Golden Gophers today. Give me Minnesota with the six and a half. I don't think they're going to beat Penn State, but I think they will put up enough offense to keep it within the number. Give me Penn State by four, which means Minnesota will cover.
1: I will take Penn State. Okay. I think Penn State by ten points. I think, you know, we, we talk how, how good this Penn State team is, and they need to show it in a dominating fashion. Because a lot of people now have this narrative of Clemson should have been four. and the same mentality that we said Clemson had, Penn State needs to have just the opposite. Because a lot of people don't think they deserve to be number four, so they need a game that proves it. And now Minnesota's not going to be where I say, you know what? that Penn State team, they're all right. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not the game to do it. But I think a dominating win will show people that, look, this is why we deserve to be number 4, and this is why we can compete with a team like Ohio State. So I I think a dominating victory on the road against a Minnesota team that's undefeated will be a a step in that way. So I'm going to go Penn State big in this game. Maybe not 17 points, but maybe like a – a 10-point win.
0: Okay. Kansas State on the road today at Texas. The Texas Longhorns are a 7-point home favorite.
1: I'm going to go Texas. Okay. I'm going to go Texas in this one. I, I think I think Texas has had a bad season, obviously, and, and I think Kansas State's going to be riding high on that Oklahoma win, and they're going to go into this tough environment to play in, and Texas may run away with this game. So look for Sam Ellinger have a big game today. So I'm going to go with Texas winning this game, probably Mm. by 13. Okay,
0: big, maybe, big there. maybe I am a sucker, but I will jump on Kansas State. I will take the seven points and put that right in my back pocket. I don't even know if I need the points today. If Kansas State can do what they did against Oklahoma, against Texas, I think they can win the game outright. I'm not sure that they will, but I do think they keep it within the number. I'm just disappointed in Texas. I thought this was going to be the year that they really broke through and proved that Texas was back But give me Kansas State plus the seven on the road today. Let's go to the Big Ten, where Wisconsin is a a nine-and-a-half point home favorite against Iowa. The total in this game is only 37-and-a-half points. I think Wisconsin wins this game by two touchdowns. Give me the Badgers, 24-10. to So that means the Badgers will cover, the game will go under. Give me Jonathan Taylor, big day.
1: I'll go Jonathan Taylor big day, but I'm I'm gonna go Iowa in this one. I think it's gonna be a closer game just based off of the defense. I think Nate Stanley doesn't make any mistakes, keeps his game in the game, uh, keep his team in the game. I'm gonna go Iowa, but I will go Wisconsin winning the game, maybe by two field goals, but I will go Iowa covering the nine and a
0: half. Okay, we go down between the hedges tonight in Athens as Georgia. We'll take on Missouri. Georgia is a sixteen and a half point favorite. I'm gonna go with the dogs in this game. Missouri kind of an underachieving disappointment to some extent this year. They've already got three losses. I think Georgia starts to hit their stride down the stretch here with games against Auburn looming, the SEC championship looming. I think Georgia suffocates Missouri. They win by twenty.
1: Yeah, and there's at this point there's no room for error for, for Georgia. And so I'm going to go Georgia in this one. I think we've, we've been long overdue for a really good offensive performance by Georgia. And I think if you do it against a tough Missouri defense, and mind you, they're not the best defense in the SEC or maybe in the country. But, they're, they're I mean, they're a pretty good defense, and they got studs on that side. So I will go Georgia. Big game on offense for DeAndre Swift. Maybe a game that Jake Fromm, we start looking at him again like, huh. He, he can actually throw football. Uh, Jake Fromm, welcome back to the party, my friend. So I'll go big game for Georgia. Georgia in this game.
0: Okay, moving on to the Big 12. Oklahoma is a 14-and-a-half point favorite at home against Iowa State today. That hook could come into play at 14-and-a-half. But I like Boomer Sooner today to roll. I think Oklahoma knows they need to win. They need to win impressively. They need help to get back in the college football playoff race. Iowa State's been impressive but I like Oklahoma by 17.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go Oklahoma as well. I think they learned their lesson from Kansas State. You know, they were able to get a bye week to kind of figure everything out, and and obviously that was a tough loss for them. So I'm going to go Oklahoma. Big game from Jalen Hurts. Big game from CD Lamb as well. Um, and you know, Iowa's, Iowa State's good on def- or on on offense. So, uh, but I still go with Oklahoma in this one. This probably will be a shootout game early. Maybe maybe it'll be. At halftime, maybe a close game, but then I think second half, Jalen Hurts and C.D. Lamb gets going, and then they have a a big win against Iowa State.
0: Down to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium we go as Vanderbilt heads to the Swamp today. A 26-and-a-half point road underdog against a Florida team coming off of a loss to Georgia in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I don't think there's a letdown because I just think it's a talent mismatch. I will lay the 26-and-a-half. I do not like laying big points. But Vanderbilt with who at quarterback? Not Riley Neal, not Mo Hassan, Deuce Wallace. No. (laughs) Forty one to ten Gators roll.
1: I'm and you know me, I told you I don't like picking anything under twenty in these. But today I'm going to change my perspective on that because it's Florida and Vandy. I will go Florida with the points. I just think the talent differences, like you said, are way different. And this is not discrediting, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, Kalaja Lipscomb, and and Pinkney. You know, those guys are talented. They can be starters in any program in the SEC. And but it's just Kyle Trask. I think he's going to have a big game today. Florida's defense is. Is really good if you haven't, you know, if you haven't figured that out yet. You know, they were able to hold twenty four points to a Georgia team that has a lot of offensive firepower. So I'll, I'll go Florida in this one with the minus twenty six and a half, and I don't like laying that many points, but it's Vandy, so sometimes I just like to change perspective. So okay. hey, Florida, big win.
0: Two games to go. Here we go. Tennessee at Kentucky. Kentucky, a one point home underdog. This game is flipped around back and forth from two and a half to a pick 'em to one. It is essentially a pick 'em. It's Kentucky getting a point at home. I've always been a Pruitt guy. I was probably the biggest Pruitt advocate. I bailed on him midway through the season. I thought he was a dope. I thought he was a nitwit. I thought he was in over his head. They have won three of their last four, they look competent. But well, you know what? There's the regression to the mean. Revenge today. Somehow, some way, despite having no quarterback, Kentucky wins, and they win
1: by a point. Wow. I'm gonna go Vols winning by okay. a field goal. Close game. Close the game there in Lexington, but I'm gonna go Vols in this one. I like the way this defense is playing so far, you know, in this in this resurgence of Tennessee football after that loss to Georgia State. And I, I think you know, Garantano has learned his lesson, and he's still in the process of proving himself to everybody, including getting the trust back from the coaching staff after that blunder in Tuscaloosa. So, I'm going to go Vols in this one. Close game by a field goal, and I'll go Vols. Okay. Jeremy Pruitt keeps his job for another year.
0: Big game of the day, Alabama LSU in Tuscaloosa coming up at two thirty. Alabama, a six point home favorite over LSU. I am going to take the Tigers with the points, Alabama 30 LSU 27 Bama wins by a field goal and it goes under <laughs> the whole world loves the under when the whole world loves one thing. If you go the other way, you're probably going to be on the right side.
1: Oh, Alabama wins by a field goal, which means they have to make a field goal, which means I like it.
0: Which means I'm going to have to pour <laughs> vodka and drink incessantly.
1: I was like, are you sure you want to go with this, Nick? We do realize what special teams we're talking about here.
0: No, but I got Bama for the win, LSU with the cover.
1: Yeah, I got Alabama with the win. I also got LSU with the cover. I think they cover today. It's going to be a close game. A nail-biter there in Tuscaloosa, but I'll go Alabama winning the game, LSU covering the spread.
0: Okay, that's it for us here on a week 11 edition of Saturday Tailgate. Enjoy all of the games today, and we will chat again next Saturday at 9 o'clock Central here on Saturday Tailgate on ESPN 1025 The Game.